0: Good morning. Good morning. Today I'm concluding a brief series of homilies on the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. We turn once again to Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a servant for you and I have never disobeyed your command Yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, once again we ask that by your spirit, we would allow ourselves to be taken into this drama, that we might see it as your holy drama with our lives as well. We ask it in the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, amen. The hardworking, obedient, responsible elder son came home after another long, hard day of working in the fields to discover that his father was throwing a celebration for the return of his prodigal brother. The one who had unjustly demanded his inheritance from the father and who used that money to run away from his responsibilities on the family farm who squandered it all in dissolute living and who then returned home to his father's embrace, to music and dancing. And there he was now gorging himself on the fatted calf. And the elder brother is furious about what seems to him to be an injustice and refuses to go in to the celebration. Isn't it ironic that at the end of the parable, the outsider, the prodigal, is now inside the celebration. And the elder brother who always considered himself an insider is now outside. So the father comes outside to plead with his eldest son. He said, we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. And that's the end of the parable. We're not told what this elder brother, who had made so many responsible choices in his life, would now choose to do about this invitation. And this drives us a little bit crazy. Luke, finish the story. (laughs) Did the elder brother refuse the father's invitation? Did he choose to stay out in the fields? Did he choose to run away on his own now? Or did he choose to enter the house just to strangle the prodigal son? Or did he choose to give up his devotion to being dead right? Was he moved by the Father's grace? Did he remember better days when they were children playing together? Did he choose to be gracious himself to his younger brother and enter the celebration. Luke, we can handle a tragic ending and we can certainly take a delightful one, but just tell us what did the elder brother choose to do about this invitation? Nope. Luke insists on leaving the ending of this story ragged so that you and I will have to complete it with our own choices. Do you want to be dead right? Or do you want to be joyful? Notice that there are no miracles in this story. There's just human choices. There are the disastrous choices of the prodigal son and then his choice to return home. There's the choice of the father to embrace him and to invite others into the joyful celebration. And now there's the choice that confronts the elder brother. What will he choose to do about this invitation? What will we choose to do? For the last several generations, most of the advice about parenting has focused on teaching children to make good choices. When Mary throws a rock through the living room window Parents are instructed not to rush out and scream at her, but to invite her into the living room to show her the broken glass and the rock sitting on the sofa and say, now, Mary, was that a good choice? And Mary, who's a smart little girl, is gonna say, I'm thinking no. (laughs) Right. And as our children get older, there's more at stake with the choices and more anxiety wrapped around them. Choices about college, about careers, about relationships, about where you will live and with whom you will live. But most of the choices that create anxiety for us do not lead to joy either way. When pastors are engaged in premarital counseling with couples, they knock themselves out to make the point that you are not marrying Jesus. And this person cannot bear the burden of making you joyful. When people would come to see me for pastoral counseling to express their laments about how unfulfilling their jobs were, they would be surprised often to hear me say, so quit, just don't expect the next job to make you joyful. It's just a job. If you're interested in authentically joyful living, you have to stop being preoccupied with choices that basically boil down to rearranging the furniture in your life and focus on the primal choice about whether or not you want to achieve a life or receive a life. And those who are truly interested in joyful living have learned to receive a life by the grace of God. This grace, which means the forgiveness of sins, yes, but so much more, so much more that is critically important to the elder siblings. Grace means that we choose to live not by our careful plans, but by the strange interventions of God. It means that we choose to believe that life is an unfolding drama that God alone can write. Grace means in the words of the Apostle Paul that the one who hath begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. It means in the words of Isaiah that when you pass through the waters, God will be with you and the rivers will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flame will not consume you because you are precious and holy and God loves you. Grace means that the risen and ascended Christ is still very much at work in the world and is always ready to use your life to make the world more grace-filled. So it does not matter whether your life has been filled with good choices or disastrous choices. Grace invites us all into the community filled with both prodigals and elders that Christ alone is creating, a joyful community. But you have to choose to enter this joyful community, even if you've always been around it. Now the joyful community is not always an easy or even happy place to be. I've always wondered what the next day was like on the family farm after the celebration. Did the prodigal get up early the next morning and join the elder brother out in the fields? Did the elder brother finally take a day off? Did the prodigal suddenly commit himself to doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly? Well, maybe, but that's not been my experience of community. Both of these brothers are in need of a great deal of healing, and healing takes time. But none of that healing can begin until both of them choose to receive the Father's grace. Grace means that we get not what we deserve, but what we need. Nobody deserves to be loved. Everybody needs it. And love is always a choice that is available to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.